uh, and believing the, the Bible is God's inerrant word, I, I'm, I preach in order to affect the way that you view God. And, uh, uh, and that's one of my main issues or one of my main desires in doing this because uh, uh, the most important thing I believe about our lives and the way we walk out our lives is our viewpoint of God and the way we respond to that. Our God is uh, desiring to reveal himself and uh, it's so important to have proper thoughts about God. We can go uh, out of bounds in both ways. We can see God as a surly and mean <laughs> Uh, figure that doesn't desire good, but, you know, de- desires to judge, is angry with us all the time, and that's a faulty thought about God. Uh, we could see God as, as not powerful enough to really do anything. He has good desires, but He's not powerful enough to do that. And we see in Psalm, in the book of Psalms, um, It's very clear that two things about God. He's loving and He is strong. Um, You you may have a thought that, you know, at times in our society, I think uh, we take God in one way too lightly. We don't realize that God is in His holy temple. Uh, and And the earth is to, in one sense, tremble before Him. Out of unholy fear, out of the fact that He hates us, no, but because He loves us, because He is... uh. As the scripture says, mightier than the thunders of the water, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And, uh, but wherever it is, there have been through uh, uh, our lives misunderstandings about what God is like. And so I want to share with you the, the proper thinking about God, theology. Another thing is, is in order to bring repentance. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, is absolutely and and we are committed absolutely to being the friend of sinners i couldn't be a friend to myself <laughs> if i wasn't a friend of sinners right um, and we are absolutely committed to that we are sinners uh but we are saints in god who have received christ and we're called uh not to be the judges but to be the vehicles of his love and of his grace but jesus when he came in contact with people called to repentance jesus didn't uh just allow people to hang out with him without calling them to something. Jesus said such lightweight things as, if anyone would come to me, he must give up everything he has. Sounds like a call. Um, the, the point of Jesus is that he gets at the very heart of who we are uh, and that we are on a process of growth, but that first he's calling us to turn from our wicked ways and turn to his righteousness. Romans, though, chapter 2 and verse 14 clearly expresses that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Aren't you glad? God's kindness leads us to repentance. That God is coming after us with His unrelenting love. And what is repentance? Repentance is not a bad thing. It means, God, I recognize that that my life uh, has been not fully devoted uh, to what you've given me. I, I have placed myself on the throne of my life in the area, this area or that area. But God, I'm committed. Uh, I, I turn from that and I turn to you. And you know what repentance brings? Refreshing. If we don't repent, if we're constantly making excuses, uh, we don't get refreshed. 
in God very well. So I'm calling that there would uh, be a change in our thought. I, I share and preach so that there would be a change in our thoughts about God. That we would begin seeing Him as He truly is seen through Scripture and uh, through His involvement with, with the church. Uh, and I'm, I'm calling uh, and sharing with us, I'm calling us to, to turn from that which leads to death and turn to that which leads to life. And it's not by a work of man's. You see, the only way to turn from our, our ways and turn to God is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed at the cross. You cannot do enough good things to earn God's approval. Let me say that again. You cannot do enough good things to earn God's approval. And no matter how many bad things you've done, God is calling your name and my name so that we would come under the blood of Christ, be cleansed and washed, renewed, set free, and changed forevermore. God has a purpose for us. He wants us to come to Him. And He doesn't want us to play games with Him, although He would like to enjoy us and uh, God is a fun dancing God as some have said before of course he wants to enjoy us but not on our terms on his terms we can truly enjoy him on his terms and another thing out of that uh, understanding proper thoughts of God and then realizing wow my life out of your kindness and your goodness Jesus I realize I've been the one in this area or that area uh, uh, that, that has been uh, on the throne of my life, uh, I lay it again down to you. You know how often I turn to God? Day by day. Moment by moment. I don't feel like He's far from me. I feel that He's near me. But He's continually showing me areas in my life to draw near. Because He's already drawn near to me. And uh, obedience, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, speaks about those uh, who will be punished uh, because they do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This has not to do with human works. This does not have to do with human works. You do this many good things and then God approves of you. Right? How good is good enough? It's not good enough, you know. If you've got a dozen eggs and a rotten one in there, ruins the batch. That's a poor illustration of the fact of what sin does in our lives. No matter how much good we do, Sin nature within us messes the pot up, so to speak. But obedience comes out of that. Man, not an obedience where I say, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and start doing good. But if we just quit making excuses and we say, where in my life have I been on the throne? (laughs) Where in my life have I taken control? Where in my life am I not trusting God? Then we are empowered by God to obey. You cannot obey apart from the power of God. You cannot truly obey. It is only through the blood of Jesus that we do. And uh, so obedience, it works its way into the fabric of our lives. There is something God wants you to do. The first thing is to come to Him without any hindrance and receive of His love. The second is that He wants to... To, as he's changed your thoughts about who he is, he wants to, to have you uh, place him in the Lordship place in your life, in every area, and mine. You know, Jesus didn't say, hang around me and give me a few things and then later you'll give me more. <laughs> he said, give it all to me and I'll, I'll teach you along the way. 
Now, of course, there's no way we at first can, can give, uh, we can only give what we know of to God, but He's calling for it all. And then we obey Him, and we obey Him by uh, doing what He says. We learn obedience. I want to give you a hunger for the Word of God. How do you know to obey God? Through Spirit and truth. God is not going to tell you to do something that contradicts the living Word in all of its fullness. I'm not talking about picking one Scripture out and saying, you know, looking at one Scripture and making that your doctrine. But the counsel... The devil and him. Between Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom. The thief, speaking of Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus, speaking of himself, says, But I have come that you may have life. Life in all of its fullness. You see, but if, if we refuse to get off the throne of our hearts and lives and doing what we want to do, then we really can't have fullness you can't have full, fully my will and fully God's will until it's God's will first, and then it becomes fully your will. That's kind of an interesting thing. But you see, as we delight ourselves in God, as we come to understand who He is, then He replaces our old desires with His desires. I don't sit around all the time saying, Oh, I'd love to do this, but God doesn't want me to do it. No, I'm immersing myself in His Word. I'm immersing myself in relationships. I'm again and again saying, God, not my will, but Your will be done. And guess what? He begins giving me His desires. And it's not me just trying to stay away from things I so desperately want. It's me saying, I don't see any purpose for that in a life lived all out for Jesus. So we're called. Uh, uh, so I'm sharing uh, to give proper thoughts about God, to, to cause us to repent and not see that as a bad word, but an opportunity to dethrone ourselves and put God on the throne in our lives. I'm calling us to obey God, not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk in the corners of our lives where sometimes it's difficult. You know, we could sing and shout and, you know, whatever we do on Sunday morning, but, you know, as, as if it doesn't affect our Monday and the way we interact with our roommates, the way we interact with those around us, uh, I, would, I would suggest God desires a greater measure of obedience. And uh, I, I share so that you can have fullness of life. I'm not always hopefully going to be one of those, as it says, in the last days many people will gather around them teachers who say what their itching ears want them to hear. Increasingly in our society, it is not going to be comfortable to be a Christian walking all out with Jesus. I'm not here to, to um, try to be uncomfortable, but I'm here to obey God. And because of that, it's going to put us at loggerheads at times with what the world, and even the church sometimes says, is obedience, or says is a good thing. Um, that uh, we'll, we increasingly see in the generation that which is evil called good, and that which is good called evil. Evil to have a standard as the Word of God. Good to let everybody do what they want. And in one sense, we want to empower you to do what you want. The last thing I want is to control your life. <laughs> I want to empower you 
as I'm saying here, in obedience. And the only way you can do it is me by teaching, teaching you to hear God's voice, the kind, loving voice, and the convicting, challenging voice of God, and empower you to live. It's not you to come in and say, okay, Jeff says I can don't drink, smoke, chew, or go with girls that do. Okay, now I know that. You know the old one? Anybody? I know some of you know. Um, That's not my theology, by the way. But, you know, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. Okay, Jeff told me I can't do this, I can do this, I can't. No, I'm here to empower you into a relationship with God, with His Word, in such a way that you, through close relationship with other believers, staying involved in the flow, are able to discern God is calling me to obey Him. We don't go outside the bounds of the Word. There are things, you know, and, and there's been a lot of talk around about, well, we're not going to interact in disputable matters, which Paul speaks about. But I'm here to say disputable matters does have to do with the core of the way we live in righteousness or not. I'm not here to tell you what to do in every little jot and tittle of your life. I'm not here to tell you what to do. But I am here to say we're calling each other to righteousness. Come as you are. Just don't stay as you are. Because God has never called us to live a changeless life. He's the only one that doesn't change, but we're changing from glory to glory. Anybody want to stay the same 10 or 15 years from now as what you are today? I didn't think so. Man, I don't want to be the same 10 or 15 years from what I am today. I don't want to be where I was 10 or 15 years ago. (laughs) But that's a glorious change. So, proper thoughts about God. Theology. A, a kindness of God that leads us to repent, to get off the throne of our lives. Learning to obey God where it hits the fabric of our lives. Not because I'm telling you, you need to do this or that, but because you have a life-giving relationship with God. And He is speaking. I'm teaching you how to hear God's Word. You see, because it's not just about information. It's about transformation. God never just says something to leave us the same. He says something to get into our lives and set us free. And it's for that fullness of life. God wants you to live a full life. And ultimately, I share with you so that we can have the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. I want to see the speedy coming, so to speak, of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I want to see Jesus come in my generation. Jesus is. That's not up for debate in my heart. (laughs) because scripturally I see it. But Jesus is coming, and He is coming in the clouds, and there is an archangel, or I'll say angel, I, I need to review that a little, an angel that will be trumpeting, and He will be gathering those that are His from the four corners of the earth to be with Him. Jesus is returning. His first advent, as Seth spoke of this back on Christmas, was that He was coming to take our sin, but this second coming is coming, and it is to bring us home with Him, those who have received Christ. You see? And uh, out of that, I want to see God's kingdom come, and His will be done. I want us to, to have proper thoughts about God. I want us to place God on the throne of our lives. I want us to obey God in the fabric of our lives. I want us to live the fullness of life, and then ultimately I want us to go everywhere preaching the good news of Jesus to those who who don't know of His love, calling them to repent and turn to Jesus 
And I want to see it get wrapped up in my generation. I'd love to see, as I spoke on the revival series, within a couple of decades, Christ come. I know that's scary for us to hear, you know, at times in our lives. I want to get married first. I want to do this first. I want to do that first. But I tell you, there's a reward for those who long for His appearing, as Paul said. And I'm longing for Jesus' appearing. But Jesus will not appear with a disobedient church. He appears with an obedient church, washed in fine linen, bright and clean. Absolutely, I want to be a better friend of sinners than I've ever been in my life. But I am no friend of sinners if I don't call them out of their sin. I'm no friend. I'm not a true friend. You see, it's interesting. There's a a war going on. I'm getting into a little bit of a side here. But there's a war going on culturally about everybody's just, you know, finding their own way to Jesus and don't say anything, you know, to hurt anyone's feelings. The way Jesus told people to come to Him was repent and turn to me. Turn away from your sin and turn to me. But absolutely, I want to do a better job of reaching every segment of our society to say, you belong to us. Come as you are. Just don't stay as you are. We love you. And I want to do it. So those are a little bit of my purposes in sharing. Oh, I want you to think properly about God. I want you to learn how to repent and that it's a good thing to turn away from being on the throne of your own life. I want to teach you and myself to learn how to obey God in the practicals of our lives. Not just to have me tell you, do this, do that. But you have a life-giving relationship with God and the Spirit and the Word. I want to see you live the fullness of life, which is full of trial, by the way, (laughs) at times. And I want to see God's kingdom established. You ready to start doing it more and more? You ready to do it today? You want that? I want it. Please want it. If you don't want it, please want it. So glad that you're here today. You may say, uh, this may be your first time here, and I just want to let you know if it's your first time here, I hope that you find this to be a family for you. I hope that you do find us to be people who love you, who do not come first to judge you, but come first to love you. And out of the love and kindness of the Lord, bringing you to ever greater measures of repentance and turning to Him, turning away from being on the throne of your own life and turning to Him and living that full life of God. So now that I've repeated it five times, let's get into the sermon. You know, last week I I began a series called Relational Remedy. And uh, we discussed uh, how God originally intended relationships. And we also discussed uh, how man sinned and broke relationship with God. And uh, it caused all kinds of problems, didn't it? Right? And we just looked at a few verses with Adam and Eve. There was blaming and victim mindset. There was shame. There was um, uh, you know, fear. All of these things entered right in after man. But God's remedy, ultimately for relationship, was the Lord Jesus Christ. God become man, walking the face of the earth for 33 years and, and dying on the cross, taking every bit of our sin and shame upon Himself. And rising again on the third day. Being, uh, after appearing to over 500 after 40 days, then being ascended to the right hand of the Father, He is now seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, ready to ingather His bride. He is ready to gather His body to Himself. And we talked about that's the remedy for our relationships. It's not uh, simply through, though I'm not opposed to psychology, <laughs> but it is 
first of all, a, a, a God-broken relationship with God problem. And God remedied that through Jesus Christ at the cross. Anybody thankful for that today? Oh. And we spoke about that. And one of the things I said last week as we lead in here is that vague confession brings vague freedom in our lives, while specific confession brings specific freedom. And that point being, we live in a non-specific society when it comes to um, areas in our lives of sin. Not very specific. (laughs) Oh, I'm struggling with uh, whatever. Uh, And uh, the reason, I want to make something very clear here. Um, Well, anyway, let me go back. Um, How specifically do we want to be set free? It's to that degree that God wants us to turn to Him, to confess and to open our hearts. God has no desire today in any way, shape, or form to humiliate you. This has nothing to do with humiliation. Uh-uh. God's not into humiliation, except for those who ultimately reject Him and continually reject Him by their evil ways. But He is into humility. God's attracted to humility in our lives. To those who say, I have to have God. I want God with all of my being. I want to walk in everything He has for me. And I am willing to gather with a couple of close friends or a pastor or, or you know, whatever and, and open my life to the degree wherever I'm bound and it's keeping me from loving and receiving God's love and, and, and loving other people. I want His freedom. So I encourage you, if you've lived and hidden behind vagueness, come into reality Come into specificity and know it's a safe place. If you want to know safe people, uh, uh, ask the Lord and make sure that you know they uh, exhibit a heart uh, that covers and, and cares. But hopefully that's what we're developing here. A safe place for you to share who you are. Not so that we label you, but so that you get set free. Those who came in contact with Jesus and were very specific got relabeled. Anybody want to be relabeled? <laughs> I think I do. Abraham got relabeled. Abram. And he, he was Abraham, and I don't have time to go into it all. But God wants to rename you in one sense, uh, not keep holding it over your head. Sometimes we avoid turning away or being specific, and what it ends up is it just keeps becoming the theme of our lives. We're avoiding it. We're avoiding it. We're avoiding it. We're shading it. We're shading it. And it becomes the theme. And what God's saying is open it up. And let me wash it away so that it's no longer your theme. I've had people share a lot of things with me. But I don't view them in that way. I honor them for their humility. And I say, God's new name to you. I want to talk about the grace of God in relationships. As it says in Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. Grace, one way we can look at that is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches, that acronym, it's one acronym for it. God's riches at Christ's expense. What Christ did at the cross opened up heaven so we could receive his riches. And he's a rich God. He's a very rich God. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory 
of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. For many of us uh, here, but, but not for all of us, but for many of us, we are legally, so to speak, saved. We have come to the realization in our lives that we are sinners and we have come to the realization that there's not enough good we can do to earn God's salvation. We've turned away from that. We've, we've asked Jesus to... We, we've accepted that Jesus died on the cross from our sins. We've asked Him to forgive us. We've turned from our, our lives and turned to Him. And uh, we've been forgiven. And uh, to those... Jesus said uh, uh, to His disciples, Go to all nations, right? And preach the good news. What's the good news? Jesus died, rose again, and those who receive Him, to as many who receive Him, He gives them the right to become children of God. We don't go under the assumption (laughs) that uh, it's interesting Jesus wasn't always very politically correct. He called some people children of the devil. That's not correct in our political thinking, is it? Whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or a Skimocrat, I don't know, whatever. Whatever kind of, you know, tea party or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not very politically correct. But Jesus said that, yes, in one sense we are all creations of God, loved by Him and pursued by Him. But by Jesus Christ we become eternal sons and daughters of God. And uh, for many of us, we are saved. Some of us, we aren't. And I just want to challenge you today, if you have not repented of your sin, and you've not turned to the loving arms of Jesus, and received Him as your Lord and Savior, come on today. He's here for you. He wants a new life for you. And it's open wide. The, the veil in the temple was ripped in two as Jesus died on the cross. And it meant, I don't have time to go into it, but it meant that the access that was only given to some, or one, was available to all. And that's there for you in Jesus. But anyway, for many of us, we have been saved legally. But it's not really worked its way into the fabric of our lives. We don't live in such a way that we're accessing God's grace in our lives. We don't feel that loved by God. We at times, if you were to ask, you feel more condemned and, and, you know, thinking about what you've done wrong or something's wrong. We're not totally accessing that. And we're learning. We're in process. Praise God. But, you know, the grace of God is available to us. It is available to us. How much of God's grace is available to you? Every bit of it. Peter says that, 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 um, uh, that all of the riches of His grace are available to us in Christ. I mean, you want to talk about riches. The grace of forgiveness. Anybody need forgiveness? The grace of a clean conscience is in Christ. The grace... Of a healed mind, a healed body. Uh, I mean, it's all the, the grace, the access of God is available for us. But I just want to mention a few ways that we can access this grace. Now, we don't access this grace by our works. Again, you can't do enough things. Position yourself right, some lotus position or something to receive from God. No. He says, come as you are. I just won't leave you as you are. <laughs> Praise His holy name. Receive God's forgiveness and love at the throne of grace. Praise God if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. You come before a throne of grace. 
not a throne of judgment. Can anybody praise God for that one today? A throne of grace. What is it? Well, it's clearly said in Hebrews 4.16, let us, the writer of the Hebrews speaking, um, uh, to those from Jewish background, which he's explaining a lot of things, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. My question is, what do you need? Not what do you want, (laughs) but what do you need? What do you absolutely need from God? Do you need to be set free of the fear that has riddled your life? Do you need to be set free of the shame that has overcome you? Do you need to be set free of the hatred and the bitterness of whatever else? It's there at the throne of grace. And we approach it boldly. We don't approach timidly the throne of grace. We approach the throne of God boldly because you need to realize if you've received Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, your actions may not be all lined up yet. (laughs) You have a willing and desirous heart. But God is there as your Father. Here's the deal. Esther, in the book of Esther, she was queen and her husband was the king, but even she could not approach him. King Artaxerxes. What a name. She could not approach him. Unless, if she approached him, she would die unless he extended the scepter to her and allowed her to live. And uh, she, she came into a, a very serious situation and had to approach him. I'm not going into it now. But she had to approach him. And she told the Jews, those with her, pray for me. And she went. She stood before him a time of fear. And he extended the scepter. And the beaming joy was... Uh, you get the pictures, you read that he was, he was joyous to receive her into his presence. I want to tell you, the scepter of God is extended to you. And he's never going to pull it back up again. He's never going to pull it back up again. His scepter, if you've received Christ as Lord, if you've acknowledged, I can do nothing to gain my own salvation, it is Christ and Christ alone. The scepter of God is extended to you, saying, what is it that you need? Praise His holy name. Many of us have broken hearts. Um, I'm sorry, I went forward a little bit too far. When you receive Christ, the love and the grace is available. But it's important so much to place ourselves before God in such a way as to receive it. It doesn't mean on your knees. It can be on your knees. It can be uh, on your feet. It can be on your back. It can be on your stomach. It can be uh, as you are right now. I don't know. But you approach Him. You see, the scepter is extended, but He's asked you to walk in. He's asked you to come and say, I'm here, Lord. I need to know your love. He says, my blood at the cross purchased it for you. You can know it. It's free. It's available. Man, the rivers of God's love never run out. Ever. And so God is extended. So we come to Him and it's, it's this kind of picture of, of God saying, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm extended to you. Come to me. Right? Jesus even said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke is heavy and the burden is, 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 is unbearable for those who reject Christ. But for those who receive Christ and place Him on the throne of their hearts, it's available all there. God wants to bless you. And you know, you don't have to earn it. And people are thinking, well, I've sinned too much to be in God's presence. 
Well, I can guarantee until you get in God's presence, you're already in His presence, but until you approach His holy throne of grace and receive of His love, you'll keep sinning. (laughs) God's love and grace and mercy at the throne is what sets you free. That's what sets you free. How do you know that? Because when a woman was caught in the act of adultery, she was in bed, you know, right? With someone else. Might be kids around here. She was in bed. She was torn out of bed at that very moment and brought before men, pharisaical men, saying, judge her. She deserves judgment. By the law, she deserves judgment. Jesus stood in the path. And, and eventually just shut them down. Let's just put it that way. And he eventually came over to her and he said, Woman, does anyone condemn you? And she said, No, Lord. They're, they're not here anymore. No, no, no one here condemns me. He said, and basically he's saying, Me who has every right in the night. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. God's grace is not, I can just do whatever I want as I'm on some journey to God. God's grace is, receive my love and sin less. Or sin no more, as Jesus said. Jesus, He has it. Go and sin no more. You know, my boys, when they slow down enough for me to hug them, (laughs) that's good stuff. You know, Sarah and I are just bemoaning the fact that Jude does not like to kiss and hug that much, but we'll, you know, God's tracking you down with His love. He's extended the scepter. Come on in the morning. Don't come in the morning with all of your uh, uh, religious ways. Just come to the throne of grace and say, God, I need you. I cannot live without you. Oh. His grace is available to set you free. We need to receive God's healing from past broken relationships. Oh, how the heart of God breaks for you today. Because there's a countless number of broken relationships in this room. Psalm 147 and verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Praise His holy name. Our God is a healer. Our God heals physical bodies. Our God heals emotional wounds. Our God restores hearts. He takes the shattered pieces of hearts and puts them back together again. Our God is good. Let me say it again. Our God is good. And He desires to be good to you. God is not good to you because you are good. God is good to you because He is good. Praise His holy name. You know, many of us have had broken hearts from relationship with, with parents. Not ever receiving that acceptance that we thought or, 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 or uh, uh, not here to, to throw anybody under the bus, but a divorce that broke your heart. Or, um, so many have been hurt by peers and, and hearts have been broken. But many, many of us in our girlfriend-boyfriend culture, <laughs> and I'm going to get there. I'm going to talk about dating without disaster. And if you have, how to restore your soul in it. But why wait till next week? Many of us have had our hearts broken by relationships with other people. You know, when you, um, um, when you, uh, when you have physical relationship with someone else outside of, uh, of the marriage, 
which again, I don't have tons of time here. But when you have a physical relationship, it says in the sexual union that the two become one. In sexual union, the two become one, right? When you're married, two become one, but this sexual union brings the two as one. And when that's broken apart, what happens? Your heart's torn. But guess what? we got a healing God today. Not just physically, to different degrees, emotionally, and to different degrees, broken hearts. God wants to heal today. He wants to set you free today. And I want to quit talking so you can get it. But you know what? God can and He will heal. We need to open up to God. You know, for some of us, we have... uh, 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 a tie to someone else. Some have called it a soul tie. I'm just, but, but we've been linked so in relationship emotionally and physically with someone else that, that we need God to come in by His grace and just break us free. And to set our hearts and passions into God. Receive of His healing. I'm telling you, there's no place Satan wounds that God can't heal you better. Ha 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 Praise Him. Oh, gracious. Mm-mm. I'm going to stop here. Miracle of all miracles. God does miracles even today. There is so much more I want to say. Two more points. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. I think we've had enough for God to work with us today. Uh, I want to ask as, as the band comes forward, uh, Psalm 23 speaks about our good shepherd. We have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd. He doesn't allow us. Why does He rebuke us at times? Why does He challenge us at times? Because He doesn't want us cramming rat poison down our throats and killing ourselves, so to speak. <laughs> He wants us to be safe and under His protection. Praise His holy name. But it speaks of our shepherd in Psalm 23 and says, many things are spoken of our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. One of the parts where it says is that He restores our souls. He restores our souls. In Psalm 68, He he. Binds up the brokenhearted. He, he binds up the brokenhearted. He restores. Religion is God did that at some other time in some other place. What true relationship with God is today, He's here now. He's here to restore your soul today. Anybody want a soul restoration? Oh, I'll take more. I'll take more, God. I'll take more. And... Um, you know, just uh, receiving of God's love and initiating. You know, many of us have had relationships with parents and we really see God as an angry God or we see God as a, as a God who we, we've gone in reaction to it. And so, you know, anything goes and as long as I'm just trying to do good. And, um, no, but God wants to correct our thoughts about Him today. He wants us to know that He is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He does punish wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but He delights to be merciful. 
Judgment in that sense is his last option, but it is an option he will exercise on the day that those who have rejected him and rejected of his mercy will receive of that. But man, God wants to pour out his mercy and grace today. Just want us to, to stand and as the band plays, I want different ones of our prayer team to come forward. I, I just I beg of you, <laughs> don't worry about what someone else thinks about you. Um, I'll deal with them later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't. I'm loving. But in reality, don't worry. Oh, is somebody going to think if I go forward? Oh, no. You know, they're going to think. I, I don't care. It's time we quit caring and start caring about Him and about His grace. So I just want more of our prayer team to come forward. I really think there's a lot of stuff God wants to do today. And you don't have to come forward to receive of God's grace. It's not a works-based thing. But this is one way you can say, Lord, I'm approaching. You know, by approaching those who are... We're a kingdom of priests now. And by approaching those who are praying for you, it's just a way of us approaching the throne of grace. They are not God, but they're instruments of His grace. Instruments of His mercy to pray for you. So I'm going to pray right now. I just ask you to come and get prayer. Specifically with some of these areas, women with women. And if there's more need, then more come up and pray. You know, leaders, faith group leaders, whoever else, come on up. But Lord, we're asking You today to come. To come, Lord, and to break down the false thoughts and to bring forth of Your kingdom. Lord, I'm asking right now where hearts have been broken, come now and heal. Lord, where people feel incapacitated, come and bring the capacity to receive Your love, to receive Your mercy, and to receive of Your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's come and let's pray. Let's worship the Lord in song and let's pray and let's give ourselves to responding to God's mercy and grace today. He has so much to give.